Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin, Season 2. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp-fighting supplement on the market. Cramp Medic is a fast-acting muscle cramp supplement with active ingredients magnesium malate, apple cider vinegar, and it has cayenne pepper to expand blood flow for rapid delivery of powerful key electrolytes and micronized mineral-dense cramp-fighting nutrients, a combined effect that aids in helping essential nutrients penetrate into tight knotted muscles. This easy-to-take supplement is made for quick response to legs, foot, and other muscle cramps and is designed to rapidly provide relief to cramps and spasms of all kinds. Whether the cause is dehydration, lactic acid buildup, nerve damage, pinched nerves, muscle fatigue, strained muscles, or mineral depletion, Cramp Medic contains a synergistic fusion of 11 powerful, all-natural ingredients that each address cramping on their own. We've combined these ingredients into a specially formulated blend so that you can get relief fast and prevent future cramping from occurring. Cramp Medic for all 650 human muscles. You can order a bottle of Cramp Medic by visiting our website, crampmedic.com, or look it up on Amazon. Magnetic Pill, specially formulated for advancing meditators by advanced meditators. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Hello and welcome everybody to Saroon. I don't even remember what class we're on or what number anymore. It's all a, a blur. Um, I know that we hopefully have a lot of questions and, and stuff for me to go over and whatnot, but there's a something that I need to address that has been uh, very bothersome to me, uh, concerning, and, you know, it's kind of the elephant in the room, and, you know, it needs to be addressed, and I don't know, you know, we've discussed, me and the staff, you know, whether we should bring up a person's name or not name, so I think everybody kind of knows what I'm talking about. We've lost a person uh, who's passed away that has a history of higher balance. Uh, You know, it's been very, very um, upsetting to me. And I haven't really said anything and I haven't addressed it for a number of reasons. And I'm sure there are people, you know, wondering whether I will address it or not address it. And I decided to wait for Saroon because I believe that Saroon is basically the, the tighter family and then kind of take it from there however you know we're, we're going to to deal with it but uh you know this person I hadn't seen for quite a while and my relationship was rocky to say the least with this person and you know um I do think this person had a big heart I think they were very loving I think that they were very devoted to their spiritual path um you know and I I acknowledge all that and you know I want to be sympathetic to all of that the the problem i guess that i'm struggling with is that i don't have any idea how this person passed i don't know if it was natural accidental suicidal what you know what happened nothing i don't know what i do know is that uh from my 
words that I have gotten from what I've heard, this person did pass around sometime around the same time period as the last, you know, class we did for, you know, the, the, you know, the uh, Cuba seven, Cita seven. And so, you know, that is very concerning to me because, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that has been bothering me because it's, I would feel terribly upset, terribly concerned with the fact that if that person had decided to commit suicide, which I don't know if they did or didn't. So I have to speculate. I'm left in this anxiety level of not really knowing for sure. And I probably, I don't know if I'll get any closure on that or not. Okay, but it certainly would would help me in how I would address this or or whatnot. So if that's the case, then I don't know if there's resentment from the family. As we all know, most families don't care for me. They have other religious beliefs or other values and or don't see the same value, the same interest in whatever I've been modeled as, as a guru or their teacher or an enlightened person or whatnot. And so these things can be a bit hostile if I was to just show up or to, to be there or whatever, or they wouldn't want me there. I don't know. Nobody reached out. Nobody said anything to me. So sometimes I think it's just better to be hands off and to just sit back and see, see what, what comes of it. And, you know, that it maybe is better for the family, you know, if that's their wishes. I mean, they, they could have reached out. They kind of know who I'm sure we are and whatnot, and whatever we hadn't, not that I'm aware of anyway. Uh, you know, we were told by a friend of a friend, you know, that's an HBI, but not somebody that's directly family or whatnot. Uh, so where a big part of my struggling is, is that I've, I've been going through quite the, the roller coaster. I don't know if I was where I'm at. I don't know if I want to stop teaching. I don't know if I want to just kind of end the series of teachings and just kind of go into kind of retirement or semi-retirement more so and withdraw from everything. Because, um, you know, I believe in life. I stress that. I stress the importance of being here and contributing and being a part of, of the purpose of why we are here. And to think that I would have had any part of someone choosing an exit strategy, if you will, if that was the choice. Uh, as I said, I want to stress, we don't know. We don't know that's the case at all, but I'm going to have to look at that as a possibility. And if that was the case, I, you know, I look at my own failures as a teacher, you know, as a, as a person talking about something that, you know, pushes that line, that, that pushes the question of life and death and what's after life, you know, and is there another form of life? And to what level and what trust does that person put into me and how do they interpret what I say and do I stress enough the values of, of life in order for that person to move forward and talk about that. Then, of course, there is the mental health situation. Are people mentally healthy and well and sound minded to have these kind of deeper conversations? I don't have a way to evaluate that. I don't think I can evaluate that or say you're not mentally uh, stable enough or you are, I mean, that's just opening myself up for lawsuits and whatnot. So all I can do is, is have waivers and, 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 and waivers also to say, you know, before we do broadcast, whatever I can, and people may wonder why I do those things. Well, clearly there's reasons why, because it's not necessarily, you know, just you guys, but it's the people that come after that have their own opinions. And that really puts me in a very tough position. So 
it's been incredibly stressful and it, it makes it to this class is very hard to have at this point because, you know, I'm feeling really uneasy, you know, not knowing whether something that I said may have triggered something or may have not. And that's what I'm really struggling with. And it breaks my heart and it would be crushing to know that that if that was the case. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot for me to to really digest and, and what I would want to do for the future. On the same token, you know, it's also a great way for stopping me from talking about it. It's a great way to prevent me from, from pushing this barrier, this veal, you know. But, you know, one can argue they don't have these values. One could argue that it's extremism. It's a cult. It's, it's fanaticism. It's, you know what I'm saying? And it's not anybody else that's going to have to deal with it primarily but me through the media, through TV, through whatever actions, you know, it's, that's a, it's a big thing. You guys want, and you want answers, but the real cost in some sense, it's not all, but in, you know, is really me having to deal with that. If somebody were to make a bad decision like that, and I would feel terrible. And so these are all the things that I'm trying to weigh out for my future, you know, and, and the, the future of HBI and, how it affects other people and how can I better know if something like is the case? You know, if, if people have a problem, you know, if they reach out, which has happened in the past, you know, as most of you guys know, I mean, I've, I've had people who've flown over saying they wanted to, to marry me and that, that I was their life from another, you know, husband from another life and very extreme. And I have to figure out a way how to solve that problem and other people having other problems in their life and feeling like, you know, you're my guru, you're my spiritual teacher, you have to be here. And, you know, you're not really necessarily prepared for those things. You know, you're not, that's not necessarily what I signed up for as a, as a therapist or a counselor, you know, I feel that I'm a teacher and I just want to teach. And people are like, well, you're in a lot, you know, spiritual master, you're supposed to be empathetic and compassionate, and you're a guru. I never wanted those names. Do you see what I'm saying? I just wanted to teach what I was really passionate about. And it's not to say that I'm not empathetic, but you know, when it goes from 10 people to 50 people to 100 people to 1000 people to 10s of 1000s over decades, it's it's there's so many people. There's so many people reaching out with different issues and different causes and different things. It makes it incredibly difficult for me how to address situations or know the complexities of what that person is. I'll tell you, I get, I get messages on Messenger and, and, and I feel like I have to respond because that person is in so much pain, but it creates so much anxiety for me and stress for me. You know, that if it's not one person, it's another. And, you know, it could be anywhere from one to, to four a week, you know. And it's like, you know, they see that you open it or they see you've seen it. You can't ignore it. They're giving you a plea. If I don't respond, you know, what if that person becomes suicidal? And they're like, oh, Eric didn't even bother to respond. So you feel like you're, you're kind of forced into responding. And in some cases, you do really know that person well enough that you could weigh in. But a lot of people, I don't know the, the intricacies of their life you know, or why certain things are happening. How do you advise it? What if you give bad advice because you don't know who the other person was in their life and you're like, oh no, it'll work out, but you don't really know. And you're trying to just piece it together from a frantic message. So stress, lots of stress for me lately. Lots and lots and lots of stress. I 
would have loved to have addressed the situation. I would have gone there. I mean, I have family out visiting me. I have to be there, but I thought, oh, I'll fly out same day, come back. But I don't know what's going to happen if I walk through the door. Am I the villain or am I the hero? Am I, am I greeted or am I attacked? I mean, you know, it, you don't know what your place is. So I want you guys to understand or hopefully understand what my position is, you know, and, and, you know, why I may or may not respond. It doesn't mean that I'm not feeling something. It doesn't mean that I'm not heartbroken. It doesn't mean that I'm not meditating on this and doing whatever I can uh, for that person. Okay. But at the same token, there is the one foot in one world and there's the other foot in the other world. And I have to navigate that as a spokesperson, as a, a person who may have other people say, well, you're part of the problem. You're not the solution. And whatever I say may be contorted or twisted into a situation where it's not what I meant or what I really said. So it becomes very difficult with how to address those things. So I don't know if you guys are reading me on this or my feelings on it or, you know, whatnot, but, you know, I wanted to get that out there for several reasons. That's one of, of several. And another is, you know, teaching is not easy. I never really wanted to teach. I never did. Um, it kind of just became something that became bigger and bigger. And it just became the way it is. And, and my life became enrolled in it. My, my financial situation became enrolled with it. My everyday life became enrolled with it. It just consumed it. You know, and so my warning is, is that everybody wants to be a teacher. Everybody wants to teach. And I, when you teach, I want you to understand what you're taking on. And, and the things that I have learned over the past decade or two Okay, which I really didn't start off really reflecting on or thinking about people's mental health situation or whether I should take classes on that or not. It just never occurred. You know, it's not something one thinks about. You just think about what you want to teach and share. And this is how I did. This is how I achieved. This is how it's done. This is what's going on. And, you know, in hindsight, as I grow older and wiser and more experienced, you know, I've kind of learned to look for these things and try to, you know, tell the staff we need to recommend uh, places to give them support, or if you get a sense of this being an issue or a situation, or if they reach out. But you guys have to be aware of that. You have to be aware that whatever you say may have an effect on that person, which is why it's taken me decades to really work up to even getting into the nitty gritty of what we are really talking about and why I always said I have to always be so cautious and people aren't ready. They're not ready. And if this was the reason this person passed and they, they may have taken their life, again, I don't know. Okay, but if they did, this is part of that reason and why I'm so upset about it. Because everything that I tried to make sure didn't happen, then, then I failed. And so that's what makes me wonder, should I continue doing this? Is it fair to everybody else? Is it fair to, to, to now say to everybody, I'm gonna, that's it, I'm going to stop? You know, is is everybody else cheated or or what 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 does one do for that decision? And that's where I've been struggling. That's what I've been trying to to decide and figure out and what I want to do and, and whatnot. I am about life. And if I have something to do that has to do with just the opposite of that, that is 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 very heartbreaking for me. And 
and may make a big effect on my future choices. If, if people cannot process or cannot handle, or they, they're like, you know what, if none of it's real, I'm just going to check out, okay, despite everything I've said, that does not make me feel good about continuation of really, you know, pushing my argument for the why I believe this. You know, why I believe in a simulated reality, why I believe it, it functions certain ways, why I think it has these repercussions. It, 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 you know, it, it is very concerning. And as I said, there's not a way to, to vet who's got issues or who doesn't. Most of the people I never seen, I didn't even know this person had done the class. I don't know. Most of my make assumptions of the people that I'm aware of, like you guys are probably doing it, not the, the grander audience of it. Um, so when I heard that, that afterwards that they had been in that class, that's what was like, you know, wow, you know, did, did, was it something that I could have said? Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it'll come become an issue down the road. If it's not an issue, I, I don't know. So that's where I'm at. And I just want to stress the caution to all of you guys, the lesson that that one should learn from this. And that you have to be aware of what you're saying and, and how you say it, you know. And the question is, is, you know, do you lose your right to express your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, the things that you have, have come to believe in your own life? Are you now, you know, muffled that you can't express those things? Because there are those who can't possibly maybe process it in the same way or the correct way or in the right way. Do you, do you stop doing what you do because of that? I don't know. It makes me angry. It makes me frustrated. It makes me, I have all these different emotions. And so, you know, if, if anybody out there, you know, is, is questioning how they feel about this topic or, or these things to me, they're, they're no different. It's no different than Christianity and saying, you're going to go to hell or you're going to go to heaven. And really the life in the middle is just kind of whatever, you know, uh, or any other religion, but you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm really breaking things down. You know what I'm saying? We're really pushing, really understanding what, what, what I feel is the big picture. And, you know, if someone is feeling that they're having trouble coping with that, and I would understand that. I mean, it, it's obviously clearly not pushing any boundaries if you're just yaddy yaddy with it, okay? You're going to be really chewing on this. That if that's the case, then, then you should bow out. Don't, don't, you know, you, you, one's decisions affects everybody. And in a way, I do feel it's kind of selfish. But if there's a mental health issue, you know, I don't have a way of knowing what everybody's status is, you know? And so you should reach out to somebody or reach out to somebody else in HBI and, you know, and, and talk to a counselor or something outside of that. Maybe it's too much to, to, to have you process, or maybe you're just looking for your exit strategy because you're upset about your issues in life or finances or relationships or just, you know, mental health situation, you know, that you need to seek somebody out. Maybe you need to talk to a counselor or a therapist. And I've said this in the past, um, but it is, it is now what it is. And so, you know, I want to pound this in that if this is too much, if you feel it's too heavy for you, if you feel it's, it's starting to weigh on you emotionally and depressing you, 
or making you have thoughts of, of ending this particular life, then you should absolutely seek help. And I, I encourage that. Any questions? All right. Um, I may limit my access to people having access to me on messenger and other means, because I just, uh, am having a hard time with, with, you know, just, yeah. Um, so I don't want anybody to think that's listening, that it's then particularly or specifically, it's really just how I feel about what's just happened with this one person largely. That's going to affect probably everything until I've sorted it out or I find some, some answer to this and, and hopefully, you know, it wasn't one that had something to do with me and hopefully it was natural and peaceful for this person and, you know, not something that was, was really bad. I don't know. So, all right, I guess we got to switch gears and that's just the way it is. I never know how they can do it always on the news. You know, they talk about terrible things and then they, they move on like nothing, nothing ever happened, you know? But, you know, uh, I'm good. I've had time to process it. Like I said, it's just the not knowing. There's no, there's no closure for me, you know? Okay, so um, where are we at? We have uh, some questions. You guys are going to go light on me till we, we ramp up. Uh, what do you guys want to do? How do we go light after that? It was like, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to dump on you guys, but. I just really feel it's important to acknowledge at least the situation for those of us who, who kind of know. And I really think it's important that you know why or what my position is and why I feel the way I feel and why I haven't or haven't addressed because I just don't know how it will be, you know, taken, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I know you don't need it, but just the way you communicated that was beautiful, the complexity of what you shared with us, what you're, what you're going through. So I, I really, I appreciated you sharing it in the manner that you didn't. And it just comes to mind, another elephant in the room is protecting you, protecting the teachings, you know, whatever we can do to, to you know, to well, use this know, information. People are angry on the outside. You have to remember lawyers and, 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 and newspapers are only looking to either make money or to make a sensationalist story. And that's the problem. And how many people at HBI have a, a, an ax to grind and how many people, you know, despise it for family situations or financial situations. You know, it, it, I don't feel it's just me. It's, it's any organization of any, anything that has anything to do that's in, in conflict with anybody else's in their life or their household you know so you know it is what it is but it's super stressful for me it's it's very stressful there have been you know things in in the past that you know fortunately kind of ironed themselves out you know but you know uh, but you know the family right away was like you know oh he was studying your stuff and blah 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 and then it came out well they were studying like everything else out there you know and you know so how can you point the finger but you know people want to point the finger at whoever, you know? And so that's, that's super stressful for me. And it, it's the same thing to you guys. Anytime you guys start teaching somebody, you better, you need to think about these things. And it's unfortunate because this is what makes me very reserved and always has 
about what I say. I, you know, if I have people in private that I teach, you can kind of look them in the eye. You kind of get a feel for the situation. You can kind of, on a day-to-day basis, get a judgment of, of where they're at and what you feel like they're written, what you can handle. Okay. When you deal with a format like, like this, okay, it's, it's nearly impossible, you know? And so, You know, you know, like I said, I have just been absolutely um, really torn up over it, really upset about it. Um, I want to give you some closure because it's like breaking my heart here. But I, And his heart had given up. He had high blood pressure. So I didn't get it straight from the horse. That's why I didn't say anything. Um, so I had nothing to do with you. Well, that's really, really good to hear. I'm really sorry that you hurt. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. And well, they did say he was having. There's a part of me that's still concerned. It's it's not, you know, it's at that part of me. But if that's the case, at least it makes me feel that I can give that that love because i i'll be honest with you i i felt upset and anger that he would have done that choice without reaching out to me you know and then did he reach out to me you start questioning everything you know and 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 it's it's very upsetting you know um but if that's the case and you're sure of it you know i'm not happy about it but i am relieved i just you know, you just don't know. And I'm, I take responsibility. I, I would feel terrible. And I certainly wouldn't be exposing that, you know, in such a public way if I didn't care. So, you know, it just makes me upset because I probably would have gone out there, you know, but I don't know if the family would have wanted me, you know, but I would have said something, but I just didn't know what to make of it. There was nothing that suggested what the cause was. And because the class was so close to it, I had no idea. I just assumed it could be me. I always feel that way. I always feel it could have been me. What if I did something wrong? I feel like that every single class I, I do. That's why I'm so cautious about everything I say and that I do, because I don't know what level people are going to be affected on it. All right, I can't waste everybody's time, so I gotta move forward, and you know we gotta be productive. There's a lot of people out there, I guess, you know, that don't know the situation. So, did you see but the new matrix? Thank you for that. Link. Excuse me, what? Did you see the new matrix? I did. Good switch. I hated it. I <laughs> hated it on so many levels that you don't even know. Um, I feel, you know, my nephew and nieces were, they're out here, you know, visiting from the West coast and we watched it all together last night and I try not to say nothing, but you know me, I just want to, you know, I'm getting so upset, you know, and you know, my, my nephew turns around and he says, it's a money grab. And I was like, bingo, you know, when they came out with Lord of the Rings, it was fantastic. When they came out with the Hobbit, it got all cheesy and the, the roller coaster thing through the troll thing and everything so they could make Disney rides from it and everything else. And um, I felt like that was the case. I felt it was a money grab. It was like to just create this, this, this storyline so they could make big sales and just make that funny last money grab at it. 
the other thing that upset me about it was, um, you know, the uh, Wachowski brothers, okay, are, I, God, I always get it, I don't know if I get it right, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't know if they're transsexuals or, or, or what it, but it's when they do a sexual change, okay? So a lot of people may not know this, but they, they were men who became women, okay? And I do believe they went through the operation the whole nine yards, both of them did. And so it was one of them, I believe, that made the movie. So, you know, it, it's been uh, theorized in the past, okay? And I believe it was very clear in this, that a lot of the storyline was trying to be the director, the writer of the movie, was trying to weave their own personal battle, okay? And so you see now the whole thing with Trinity and her name Tiffany and, and you know, like with the whole thing with them having that and the whole thing where Neo and them have to be one and they're unified and then now it's like, you know, Trinity becomes a super awakened one versus him and yada yada. To me, this is all reflective in that person trying to make their story into to this epic level of what was a genre for society. And I feel like they just were selfish with that. And I felt that a lot of it was just regurgitated, same stories, lines. There was nothing new and nostalgic from the, the, the bullet shells coming down. The only thing I thought that was interesting, but I had seen versions of it, was the magnetic particles making them so they could be physically interactive here, which makes sense. But then the other robots are physically interactive here also. Okay. So it's like, all right, whatever. So other than that, I just thought it was very simplistic. It, there was no real new scope of storyline. It was the same story. They're, they're, you know, we we live underground. We still do this. You still have, you know, it's just like when what's her name was uh this the head person there now, and she had to be all angry and put him in prison. I mean, when what world would you do that with someone who essentially saved their world at one time? Do you get what I'm saying? It it was just like it just was like force written, force kind of compodulated together. And it tried to pull on a lot of people's emotional strings by bringing up past stuff and new stuff and trying to make the connection and whatnot. And I don't know. I just, I just was really disappointed in it. I think the, the originals were by far much more creative, more unique, more impactful in, in, in the, the things that we've seen for the first time, from the bullet cases to the spiral, to the fighting, to the water, you know, splashing and doing their thing. There was just nothing new in there. There was nothing worthy of a reboot for Matrix. It, it just was regret, and then making it into you know a fictional thing and stuff, and then you know the the architect, the new architect, the, the, the which was the therapist. It, I just it just did nothing for me. It did. It just it just you know I shouldn't have watched it. There was a, I had I already had a sense that was going to be the case from from what I seen, but it was a money grab. That's what I think. I'm sorry if I'm ruining it for everybody else. And I didn't even think to warn anybody if they hadn't seen it, you know, that there's spoiler alerts if you haven't. So I'm looking at Damien a little bit and I'm like, oh, did I just blow this at all? I don't know. Um, no, I think so, the same thing from, from, from the previews. It looked like the same movie. Yeah, it, it, it really was. All they did was just retell the story over with a, a new byline, you know, and, and, you know, put in new, fresh, young characters in there. And that's it. Did you did you notice that ninety nine percent of everybody in all the shots were all young people? Also, that there was like maybe four older people, and the rest of everybody he worked with, everybody in society, everybody, all that would just. I was just like, what is up with the casting with that? It just it just did not feel worthy, and it 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 
I just think there should be a law that they make it criminal to, you know, to to do. It's like Star Wars. The same thing happened with BB Jinx or Barbara Jinx or whatever, and what they did with Star Wars and Disneyfied it, and you know, made it into to something other than that that dark, relatable, you know, battle of good and, and evil. It, it just it just is such money grabs, and it's the society we live in. So, I don't know. But I was very disappointed. And, you know, uh, if you're going to ask me about the simulation theory versus the Matrix movie, they're, 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 we can go light years in, 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 in knowledge and intellect, trust me, beyond what, what that garbage was. Yeah, complete garbage. So turn the page. I'm sure somebody will come out with something better. And that's that. I'm, I'm really disappointed in Keona Reeves because I have always admired Keona Reeves. Yes. And I find him a very compassionate, sincere person for somebody who's achieved so much and came from so little. And you think he would have put his foot down or he would have, you know, pushed against the system, acknowledging that. And the fact that he didn't and he just went with the flow, he don't need the money. So did he know what kind of product he was putting out? Did he have that realization? I mean, you know, what, you know? But it, it definitely has had an effect on, on how I see him now. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. Or we're just a tough audience. I don't know. You know, I was reading the reviews and, you know, they're all like really great, great, great. And a few negative ones. I was like, somebody was like, yeah, I think these are like paid reviews. And I was like, uh-huh. Okay. Like, it's just, come on, you know, come on. How simple is everybody in this day and age? Most of the reviews I saw were really bad. And and I watched it. And I mean, like, they had clips from the old movies in it. Yeah. You know, that they yeah. show. Yeah. And I, I hate it when they do that. I yeah. hate it. I really do. So just upset again. It's been a rough week. Very, very rough week, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what else? You want to hit me up with something? Let's let's try to, to dig into this. I guess now I feel a little bit more relieved and, and able to maybe push more with, with information, I guess. But yeah. I, I've got a question that goes into the simulated reality. And and okay. um, if we truly are in a simulated reality and there is a core concentration of consciousness, which you said is now. Are we running multiple simultaneous situations or simulations where the timeline is changing over and over like Dark City? Uh, like it, it, like from what you said in the last in in the last two classes, it almost seems like Dark City is more realistic of uh, than than I realized before. Well, look, Dark City, just like any other movie is i i look at things very by level do you see what i'm saying if, if i say something like that it's from looking at a perspective that i think people will will get something out of it doesn't mean that i'm really seeing it in that specific way and i you know it's very hard my mind's very complicated in a lot of ways but dark city was just a a period where it was something unique and it, it really showed an aspect of something like that. It showed an aspect of, do I think that's the case? It's, it's yes and no, because I want to say yes a little bit, but, but it's completely nothing like that, which was made by a, a movie 
you know, production company with limitations to how creative or how, how well they can make something. So when you think about that, when we think about these things and we, and I make sense like this, people want to imagine it through that lens. You get what I'm saying and see these figures walking around and, you know, they're controlling these things. And, and what, that's not really what I'm, I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is to, to look at all these alternate possibilities and, and, and the outer influence of an intelligence that could be doing that. Unfortunately, we have to make everything dark and ominous for human beings to be like pay attention to, which is primal. Um, and that's part of movie, you know, formula. Um, so let me try to explain it in a, in a way that might be more useful. I often look at how the human mind works, okay? And it doesn't mean that's necessarily just the human mind. I think that there can be other intelligences, okay? But in this spec, we have to look at it from, from a perspective we relate to. When you have anxiety or you have concerns about something, I don't know about you, but like me, I run through all the fucking scenarios in my head. I'm traumatizing myself. I'm looking at all these different scenarios and thinking about them in different ways. And most people do that. It's not just a you or me thing. It's a, it's pretty much everybody. That's how that's survival. Okay. We do that for, for hunting and gathering. And we, you know, this is something in my, so, so you run these scenarios, which is basically mock situations really fast in your brain. And your brain, in a sense, is its own computer. So like a, a Mandelbrot, where you can see it going over and over and over in an infinitive way, do you see what I'm saying? Like, you, 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 you know, then in a lot of ways, we are running these, these scenarios. And in dreams, we can do it too. They just get broken into different ways or more, more you know, a little crazier. And anxiety comes out in different ways. But in, in even lifetime, we, we do these things. Okay. And what I'm suggesting is, is that if you look at it from the perspective of a supercomputer or God's consciousness, and it's dreaming, okay, that these other scenarios that we are saying, are there other realities or other scenarios? And I say, yes, and no, it's to say that are all the scenarios in your mind that you run scenarios are they the real thing or are they simply echo scenarios of possibilities and you make a choice as to how you want to respond or react to something based on what you've you've kind of gone through you you don't just have an answer pop in your head you kind of create these these situations so you you in a way are creating echo possibilities variables and i i would probably say that you could say it's probably true in some ways that this program or this reality we're in is doing something similar, okay? And I think that would be the, the easiest way to explain it. I may tackle it later on, as you know, and find another way to kind of explain the same thing and maybe do a better job. But in a short kind of uh, volley of questions, that's kind of what I would, you know, would say at this point. And I think it's a good answer. So... I think it's simply running uh, variables uh, to how it's going to influence life and to make it as natural or learn as much as it can or yield as much as it can for experiences out of it, which is what I've always said. If you think about all the stuff I say, when you dream, I say you're uploading. When, when, when I was reading some article, they were saying about, you know, uh, simulation, you know, how many uh, non-player characters versus player characters. And I say red cell, white cell. Okay. 
And I say about 15%. And they're saying they estimate between 12, uh, 10, and, and 15 or something, you know? I, I think my, my numbers are pretty good for somebody who's been at this, you know, saying this for over 20 years, actually more than that, you know? Oh, I, I agree. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So I want to I want to add some thought to to that because there is this 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 silent thought process that everybody has and I've been of course very delving more into it because of of light of situations recently okay and you know there's a sense of who am I what is the realness of my life? Is it is it all just a facade? Is it all just predetermined? Okay, I told you it's not necessarily predetermined. It's pre-predicted what your what your choices are going to be, just like that ball. Okay, it's predicting where it's going to go based on its calculations, and those calculations can be pretty damn accurate. And we're learning that through mathematics. We're learning that for city sizes, populations, locations. We can we can apply different stuff as we get smarter and smarter. And see that that all of these things can be figured out from the Fibonacci, you know, uh, uh, to to you name it. There's algorithms that seem to work for all the stuff we do, right down to to the English language and, and alphabets having how many words we use and how often in every language it all follows the same patterns. So it's not necessarily about it being predictive or it's arguable, okay? But it it is predictive in the sense that. It, it is arguably something that we can we can see the choices we're going to make. So what complexity is there? And that's the reality, the sober reality to say, are we that predictable? And this is the fear, is the fear is always, am I unique? Am I special? Is there something special or unique about me? Okay. And there's a, a truth to that. And I, I think white cells are unique. Okay. Is this a question of how unique that is and, and how important it is to you? But I, 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 the only thing to any algorithm is the same thing I always said, and this is what they're saying now in, in all the technological stuff only recently. And he says, if, if you really boil it down, the only thing that, that a, a higher AI would be interested in is one thing, experiences, unique experiences, which is what I said is the meaning of life. It's all there. So in, in essence, you know, these variables are likely calculations to that predictability of where we're going. And it may be trying to create new variables for you to react to, to see if you do something unique. And we mimic that process because we're part of the same fabric. We're part of the same system. So we're we're miniature versions of the much bigger system. And we're, we're mimicking. So studying our own kind of neural processing that we are not aware of, our subconscious or super subconscious, if you will, okay, is almost a window to what I feel is the bigger program. That, that a program cannot necessarily, in my opinion, create uniqueness. Everything in its mind is, is predictive. It's calculated. It's how it thinks. It's how everything it does is weighted and measured. It doesn't know any other way to exist. So if you really think about it, it is attempting to create algorithms to learn, because that is the main purpose of it, okay, 
that that it cannot necessarily predict. And if it cannot predict something, then there is something outside of it that maybe is titillating, exciting, interesting. And I told you guys that also in all the teachings. A lot of people in the forum um, wanted to know why you picked the last exercise for the cube class, because it's definitely igniting other things and just the visuals like later tones. Um, I know a lot of people had said that their visions and dreams are getting uh, clearer. So why did you pick that exercise? Because it's it's doing something. The exercise. I wanted to do that exercise for quite a while. I wanted to do that exercise back when we did the, the Portland event, the whatever I called it, the, the, the black box series or whatever. I wanted to do it then. It just was always a question of how much can you do with the means that you have and the availability of space. And we weren't, you know, it was just, what, what do you do? And, you know, who are you dealing with, whether they're ready for something like that or not? And at that time, the cubes still weren't really at where I needed them or as many as I needed, because there's a collective consciousness level to all of that. Um, I chose that for a number of reasons. And I, I will express that at this point. Um, and this is also going to help you guys have much deeper experiences with it, okay? Um, one thing is that I, I should have said, and again, this is why I says it's going to have to be multiple conversations. You just can't cover everything in a two-hour period, okay, or whatever. Um, you know, you don't need to have your eyes open staring in order to have the effect. You just try to look normally, like you're looking out in the fog. You're going to blink your eyes, Okay. It's when you think about blinking that you distort the, the rhythm of, of that experience, the, the fear of blinking, the fear of, of doing something that disrupts it. If you are looking and you blink your eyes naturally, you're not thinking about that. Your experience is unbridged. Do you follow me? Number two is, is that, and I, I've tried to say this in so many ways over the decades now, is that there is a certain flow state. To, to let your mind see what we'll call the future, if you will, or your mind to see visions or your, your energy to move or for you to affect reality, that when you concentrate in a sense of observation, like you're observing to see the split test, you don't, it does not do what you want it to do. When you can detach your mind and remove yourself and be conscious, then it flows. And this is that balance I'm always talking about, okay? It's this, this thing where you're perfectly in sync, but you're not thinking about either, you're, but you are, okay? So when you're looking into this strobing effect, it's going to affect or what we know as be, basically your hallucinatory state, okay? I think it can go deeper and beyond that. I think you're going to your pineal gland, which has all the nervous system of a human eye without it having a pupil, okay? I think that's how we see dreams, but this is remote viewing. This is a, 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 a form of expanding your consciousness, okay? So when you're looking at it, you should just let yourself look. Do you see what I'm saying? Think of it like fog, you know, and, and, and that it's dissipating or breaking up slowly, allowing something in. The second you attach to it or you get excited about it too much, but at the same token, you can look at it and, and try to force a hallucination, if you will. Like that looks like blue to me. That could be a blue sky. It could be water. And I'm just having trouble still seeing the details to make it out. Okay. You got to 
go with that flow of comfort and allow whatever it's going to present and not be disappointed if it fades, just accept it as part of the process. But I think that there's such a struggle want or a struggle need to see something or disappointment in not seeing something that that prevents you from having any experience. So what is happening and why other people are having other experiences, I believe it's triggering what we'll call the third eye. It's, it's, it is your connection to what I call the higher dimensions. It's, it's you're turning on your chest center, you're turning on the core of your, your, your third eye, if you will, your pineal gland area. You're synchronizing possibly, you could say your hemispheres, whatever you want to call it, okay? But you're, you're in a sense creating a sensory awareness. You're awakening your senses. And those senses are all about something that you can't necessarily smell, hear, or touch in the sense that it is of this realm, like it's within two feet, you can touch it. Or if it's in the room, you can hear the music. It's, it's unfurling the distance and the possibilities of, of seeing things and how you see it and how you hear it and how you feel it. You are aware that it's not necessarily in this present space. So by removing that sense of conscious but unconscious, acceptance of what you're allowed to experience in your environment as considered norm, you now are unveiling, okay, the, the, the limitations to what is not real reality. You, you should not be a limit to the depths of what you hear or how far you see. There is no up or down. There's no nothing. The only, the only thing that, that is, is connected is your consciousness connecting to whatever, if we are in a simulation, then you're sitting right next to me or, or, or sitting inside of me no more than I am. We, it, in your dream, in your dream, does it not feel real? Do you not talk to people, listen to people, hear people, sing to people, touch people, have sex, make music, make build clay objects together, okay? Swim the depths of the ocean. Do you not hear music? Do you not feel? Do you not love? Is it not all happening all all in the same place in your consciousness is anything in a, in a spatialness, but it feels that way and everything tells you it's that way. But we know logically that it's happening in neural pathways with little bits of electricity that are smaller than a pin of a needle, but yet it feels as vast as the universe. We are in the pin of a needle within the vastness of the universe. And so when you do these exercises, you when you look into this space, there's a part of you says, this space is inches away from me. When you look at a, a computer, you, you understand that this is two-dimensional. I don't see you guys three-dimensionally. I see you guys two-dimensionally. It's how you're seeing me. You see depth and everything, but you don't see me like in real life. The difference is when you're looking at this white thing and it's projecting, it's going in your mind, not out, but you literally can see 3D if you let your mind go. But what you're going to likely see in the beginning as you're working through it is you start to see what I call the, 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 uh, this, the programming structure of, of these structures, meaning you start to see static lines and you start to see you know uh, geometric shapes and designs this is all computer code as far as I'm concerned. The difference is you're either seeing it zoomed up and you're like micro and everything's huge, or you're zoomed out and you're seeing the fine details of stuff 
And so by you observing that, that becomes part of the reality mode you're stuck in. You have to let go of that. You have to not have a concern. You have to go meditative in that. You have to remove yourself from your emotion or your fixation on it or fixate it until you've had your satisfaction. But it becomes exhausting for you because your brain still is processing everything. So you want to tap out. You get tired. You're like, ah, oh, 20 minutes. Ah, oh, it's a lot. Okay. But if you were okay with that process and you were blinking and you were just looking in the fog, how long could you sit in the fog and be entertained? It, it, the flashing becomes non-synchronistic. You don't see the flashing if you let your mind go. It stops. You just see a white haze. And then you start to see maybe structure. When, when you think of somebody like Notre Dame scrying, they're looking into a bowl of water with candlelight. In that bowl of water, eventually it just looks staticky. There, there's no depth, no nothing. And then eventually the mind wants to create a hallucination or take a shadow or it gets bored and it starts designing and creating stuff to stimulate the mind. At that point, the question is, do you have an intent? Meaning, I want to see the future, Notre Dame would, would be thinking. So it's, it's building or reflecting from its own mind, pulling from the predictive, trying to piece something together. Okay, so you're looking out, but you're really forcing your mind to, to expand in a different way to draw in data. And that data can be audible. That data can be, and that data does not mean it stays in that one moment. It can happen days or weeks later or minutes later when you're done with the session. Your perception of reality now is, is still humming. It's still, it's still thinking about, about stuff and taking it in. So how that this is why I, I decided not to do a walkthrough in the end. I was really debating should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Because I knew that everybody would, would interpretate differently. And if I had done a walkthrough, it would have been my vision, my version of what I would want you to see, which doesn't mean you would have a greater level of success rather than allowing the flow to unfurl by the nature of what design you are or what design in that moment you chose to be, because you can be all of them, which I taught in White Dragon. It's just, where are you at now? What are you inclined for your mind to want to see? Do you see what I'm saying? You know, if you believe in Christ and you die, you might find Christ. If you believe in Buddha and you die, you find Buddha. If, you, if you're Muslim, you get a thousand virgins. Okay. So, so the point is, if you're fearful of death and you see, you know, you might see that you're, you feel like you're incognito or you're in limbo. Okay. I mean, it's hard to say, but at the end, you're in a sense have to unfurl and, and find what truth you find in that. And, and that's how you grow, by, by looking at those things and pondering on them and then growing from, from that experience. What experience I'm looking for, you may be different than the experience that you need. I don't know if that answers your question or not. It does. Now, did you say you had some exercises for us when we wanted to increase our visuals? I think I saw you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of, of stuff. I figured it would come out during the conversation, you know, but yeah. 
you know, there, there's, there's different things that you can, you can do. I mean, as far as visuals, let's, let's look at it this way. Okay. And this is something we we've done in the past people. I've done so many classes. I know I'm beginning to think I taught them in other realities and I'm getting confused with this one. Okay. Then you guys might go, yeah, you did teach that. I'll be like, I thought so. Um, you know, but if you close your eyes, the most simplest one that is, is often used in like, uh, if you want to call it guru teachings or whatever, is to imagine a flower, beautiful flower that you love. And with that flower, you want to begin to imagine the bulbous section of it, the stem, the leaves of it, the petals, the layers of petals. You want to see the fiber of its nature, the little hair like furs possibly on it, or the threading of lighter and darker tones within its detailedness. You might want to look at the stem of, of how firm it looks and whether it has hairs on it or different color tonatures of lighter greens and darker greens for pigments. You might want to slowly rotate that flower as if it was on a, a rotating stand at the base of it, rotating it slowly before you. And as it's rotating, you're seeing and admiring all of the details of it, its nature. You might be looking at the top of it down to see the depths of it and the layers of its petals. And what is in the center of it? Is it is it some exotic color? Is it little perfumey stems? Is it powdery? Is it got pollen of any type in there? Um, now, stop and open your eyes. If you do an exercise like that and you concentrate for a while, good, good minute or two, you get bored, but you want to get bored because you're creating endurance mentally by staying on the subject. You're forcing yourself to continuously absorb and build your concentration on those details. And those details at first start off finite, like blurry, faded, and you keep thinking about it and slowly goes. But here's the key. When you forget about the detail by which you're seeing it, when you become not concerned, without you realizing it, it starts to become greater detailed. It's almost like it's more vivid. You ready for it? Just like when you listen to the tones. You listen to the tones, the tones evade you. When you surrender inside and experience the tones, you learn to start to make them louder and softer and control them. You're doing the same thing, but in a visual sense now. If you over-concentrate and you think about making yourself see the detail, you lose the detail. You have to allow the detail to, to be presented to you and you, you, you invert your your level of your relationship with that by inverting it it works and it becomes better detailed but you you want to look at everything let me let me come at this differently because i just had a brilliant thought everything that we do in this reality is outside of us we bring to us do you understand but in truth it's all the opposite like a mirror in our mind when I say invert, I mean it quite literally. It, it's very hard to process. It's like looking in a mirror and trying to understand why you're reversing. It doesn't make any sense. When you see a flower in your mind, it's different than when you're looking at it on the outside. You're looking at it from the inside out in a way. If you are listening to tones, you're not listening to tones trying to make it louder by, by turning and bringing it to you. 
you're you're hearing it inside your mind. It's inverted. It's another universe. It is where the cosmic simulation is. It's just projecting to you. This is the machinery you're in. You're in this 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 room, this hologram. But in truth, there is no hologram. It's it's in here. So when you when you concentrate on on these visuals, you're strengthening your ability to project and see. You're you're teaching yourself how to maneuver or how to to make your mind talk a different language. It's alien. It it reminds me sometimes, I don't know, you know, for those of us who are old enough, if you remember the, the TV series Twin Peaks, and there's this creepy part where you got this dwarf and he's kind of making this weird movement. Well, all they did was make him walk forward with a dance and then they put it in reverse and it looked like he's going in reverse. It's an opposite reality or something, okay? But in a weird way, that's what you're doing to the point that you're making it natural. And now you've learned to do these two things and make them one coalesce understanding between the two. I know what I'm doing right now. But if I concentrate on any one by itself, the other one messes up. So if I concentrate on just my top doing this, the bottom may get out of its loop. If I go like this and I concentrate just on the bottom one, the top one starts to skip its beat. Do you see what I'm saying? If I do it without thinking about it and let it flow in motion, but I have the middle concentration, it's just allowing it to happen, but still in control, I have awareness of, of the experience. This is what I'm trying to always say to you guys. Brilliant. Yes, thank you. That was so, brilliant. So when you're concentrating on the flower, you're strengthening your ability to punch through this effect. And that effect is your strongest sense is your sight. Okay? It's really our strongest sense out of hearing, taste, smell. It's the most one used 24-7. Okay? Uh, second was probably hearing and then touch or somewhere in the but, but sight is, is something where... So, when you are looking, it's the thing that tells you what to experience, what to interchange, the source or direction by which you hear the birds singing. It, it is very, very much the first step to connect any of the others. What does that glass feel like? Well, I looked at it before I touched it, okay? This is part of that programming. So we are taking that canvas and creating the Ganslicker effect, okay, by giving it nothing to work with. But yet there's something happening and it's telling it to look. So eventually, the idea is you turn from the outside to the inside, and you're directing where you want to look as long as you can do these things at the same time. And if you become impatient, then you lose. If you become frustrated, you lose. You literally have to ease yourself and be okay with, with that effect. That takes practice. That takes skill. That takes a level of feeling comfortable with yourself and being like, okay, I can do this for 20 minutes. And you need to accept the fact that not everybody can do a lot of it. it. It's tiring. Okay. And you may not, you may not find any enjoyment in it, but you know, neither is learning how to play the guitar or the piano. Neither is necessarily learning to drive a car. None of those things are enjoyable. They're stressful until they become enjoyable. So I wouldn't indate myself with it. You don't want to drive yourself fucking crazy with it. You want to pace yourself, but you, you want to, in a sense, ask yourself when you're doing this scantilic effect and you feel a certain way, you start to get some, even if it's geometric, 
Okay, geometric is something. Do not dismiss it. Look at those patterns. If you go out to meditate and you look out at the sky, you will begin to see the static. You will begin to see geometric designs. I rest my case. Think about that. Okay, if you stare at a wall and it's a white wall and you see the static and the energy that I talk about, you will see all the same things. It's all fucking bullshit. It's all illusion. But what you're doing is you're training your discipline to perceive differently. If you go into a house, I don't need to look at the sky. I don't need to look at the wall. I'm at a level where I can just look at the room and get the effect. But I allow myself to shift because I know that feeling to produce, and then you produce it. If I'm out with a storm and I want to integrate with the storm, I go to that, that place. I don't see the weather as just a thing. I see the weather as a program that, that is interactive if I become the noid or the interactive aspect of that. Or I'm just going fucking local, one or the other. Both are highly entertaining. Anyway. Tracy? So I will say that your comment about allowing is brilliant because it's exactly what I've been experiencing with that. And the more I allow, the more intense things become. Uh, my question is, you know, I allow it, but I have certain intentions for what I see after doing this a couple of times. And then Sometimes random shit just comes in out of nowhere, which kind of throws me off. Is there a way to? Let me ask you a different question. Let me, yes. let me throw something back at you. I'm looking at my inspiration right now, and it's right behind you. It's up in your mirror. And is that something you bought, you drew, you made? What, what is that? Um, artist made it. Have you ever done art? I mean, everybody's probably done some art. You ever done it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The the point is is going into that space, that Zen, if you will. Okay, is like asking you guys to imagine right now to close your eyes, close your eyes, and I want you to imagine that you're sitting on a stool, and you have a canvas in front of you and you have a bunch of watercolors, a little glass of water, a nice brush. Okay. And I'm asking you to just, just start moving around colors that you prefer and start moving around the structures and designs. And then eventually I want you to make it into something. So you, you reach in, you choose a color, whatever color that is, you, you're going to stroke it, you see it. Now you're going to do another color and you're going to move it in whatever way you want and another one. And now I'm going to ask you, can you start eventually making it into something after you see it becoming something randomly? And it starts to have a feeling. It starts to have a creativeness. Okay. So where did the, the, the vision come from for you to create it into an owl or a bird or, or a mountain view? It's, it's either talking to you from your inside or, or it's something you're forcing yourself to construct. But in truth, if you were to do this in real life, it, it's something that, that, that you still made a choice of. 
because you, you, one person could look at it and they would have made it into something completely different than what you chose to see. And it had a meaning to you in some level from somewhere. And that's my answer. Got it. Completely got it. Thank I'm you. so good at this. Anyway. I mean, it wouldn't hurt. Here's a coda to get yourself a canvas and to try this. Turn on some beautiful music. The music you choose will have an influence also. You're predictable. If it's a sad music, 10 to 1, if, until I would, if I didn't mention it, it's going to be something sad in a, in a way. If it's something happy, you're going to create something happy. If it's something melancholy, you create something melancholy. If there's no music at all, you'll make your own when you create it. I remember when I was very young, I was always a very good artist, remarkable. And it's, it's sad to think that I gave it up. But I would take and just put watercolors in art class and just slop a bunch of stuff. And then I would just look at it. I'd take a minute to look at it. And this is what a lot of artists evidently did. I did not know this. And then I would see what I would see in it. I remember one, which turned out to be a marvelous piece. I wanted to make an old car. Like a like you know nineteen forties kind of kind of car, a little bit elongated with the wheels and stuff, and that's what I started to make. That was my intention. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my god, it looks like shit. And then I started to see what looked like the contours of a body in it. It was just completely opposite of what I thought. And obviously, my subconscious at that age, I made a woman on the beach in her bikini. Okay walking and it was just from her neck down and the silhouette of her body and her bust and her, her backside and the beach and everything and i won first prize you know it, it was really amazing i i mean from a car for me making an antique car i just i didn't see it no more but my mind seen something else and the whole time i wonder if that's just where my head was you know i'm versatile everybody thinks it's just one thing okay but you know hey just saying okay it's an equal opportunity mind i got Anyhow, so the, the point is, okay, is, is you don't know until you know. And it's the same thing when you're looking at that canvas. There's a part of you that wants to make something that's fighting whatever it, the something is trying to show you. And that is the conflict of interest. And being at ease and letting it flow is the trick, is the key, is to okay with whatever you're seeing and let it, let it come to and understand. It may mean nothing at all. Or it may mean everything. You're just not ready to understand it yet. But I do believe something firmly. There is no such thing as nothing that's worth nothing. Anything that you, you see in these senses has some valid purpose. You know, when one thinks of the white room, and one thinks of, of, of being in the white room. The question is, when you guys did it, do you visualize that you are laying down? Do you go through the time of creating a story for yourself? Because we're very story-oriented. And you're laying in bed and you're some semblance of being in the future. And you're trying to imitate that whole what you think that might be like. And you're laying there. Maybe you see yourself bald, maybe see yourself thin, maybe see yourself not looking exactly like yourself, maybe see yourself as a synthetic being or whatever the fuck you see, okay? But your eyes are closed. 
And there's a part of you that wants to open your eyes. But the struggle is, the struggle is, what can I imagine that I would see that would be valid or, or so technologically advanced that I have confirmation of what I'm seeing, that, that it has a value to it? It's, that is fear, and that prevents you from seeing anything. So that's something you, you have to not concern yourself with no more than I concern myself with the card switching it to whatever it was going to be because I didn't seem to have any idea, but my, my subconscious created it for sure. Okay. So it's, it's about allowing the wreath to bend in the wind. It's, it's about letting your, your mind unfurl because whatever you are, by whatever source your mind is, is at, wherever your consciousness is connected or emanating from, okay, everything is designed to keep you in this moment and make this moment real. And in this moment, you're asking yourself, the real moment I want is to be there. How does one define that? That opposite, you, you have to almost sense trick yourself to allow yourself to have that experience or that awakening or that, that piece of knowledge to begin to emerge. You have to be at peace with that concept. The more that you, you think, I have to get there, I have to wake up, I just want to fucking wake up, is creating a sense of anxiety in you. It's creating a sense of, of escape. Well, if everything says you got to be focused here, to, this is the experience that you really, 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 really needed and wanted. Okay. If you mess this up, you start all over again. Okay. So in essence, anxiety is the reason why when you listen to, to the tones, they escape you when you try to capture them. Why, why you, you, you have the visuals and they escape you. <laughs> you have to have a kind of flow or peace, a peace. This is why they, they teach this so much in spirituality, a peace but you, you lit your inner compass. Your navigator knows what you're looking for. You have to trust that. Evidently, my navigator wanted to see a woman in a bikini, okay, not the car. So in, in essence, that is the struggle. The struggle is to create the flow and to make it as natural as possible because even the flow has order. It has purpose. When... It's interesting because when you sit down and you do a, a session, the first mistake is always the same mistake. You sit down with an intention already, and that intention is to see whatever's there. Your intention is to, 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 to be able to see whatever you're seeing there. So you've already done the first thing you've taught, and the tone's not to do. If you can hear tones, you've learned the best way to hear the tones is to listen to the tones, but not to, to force them or try to capture them. They, they breathe towards you. It's just, it's, there's, there's no word in this reality. It's just the opposite of what makes sense. So there are no words from our reality that can define the tones. The tones must be experienced. And by practicing with them, you, you develop a relationship with them. And it's the same thing. You have to, to visit the topic over and over and find a, a kind of peace with the process in order to experience whatever it wants to show you. But it's absolutely the opposite of anything you can perceive here. So why bother perceiving at all? Go ahead, Tracy. 
So when I did the white room upgrade, I had a very intense experience of what the white room was like. And that was revisited. And it was the hive and that incredible love and compassion, but it's being part of that hive and not being separate, nor do you have any want to be separate. It's not even a thought. Right. But for me, it's always what's beyond this. Right. And And there is more beyond that, but but there's two ways of looking at that. Everything in the simulation is a Mandelbrot of, of of something else. So if you talk about that harmony, that oneness and being part of Alisoni, if you will, it's, it's also to say macro micro. If you were to look at yourself individually, then you go into another loop because you're made out of trillions of living organisms. If we chopped off your arm, is it part of you anymore? Would you chop off your arm or do you feel very harmonious with your arm? Very, very, very at peace with it. We're one, okay? We're one. It's expressing my mind right now, okay? We're in unison, okay? So so all of those living cells, would you say, are you or are they not you? If you cut your arm off, the interesting thing is you don't feel like it's part of you anymore. It, w- it was a part of me, but it's no longer part of the, 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 the wholeness. So we feel we can't necessarily attach it, or maybe we can. Hopefully it comes back to life. It becomes one with me again. So, but if it, if it, if it doesn't want to become one with me, well, what is its situation? It's not part of the greater whole no more. Right. Unison comes if it wants to be part of me. And we, we become one thing again, unified. So I think that the bigger picture is as much as the macro is to the, to the micro. So you get both. You get individual and you get become one. You, 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 you have to find a way to unify them. And, and you will find that there's something outside of that level. It's always up, down, up, down, up, down. And the third is always the middle experience of being aware of the two shifts. It becomes a harmony. Does that make sense? So, uh, you know, you're talking about it and I could feel it and I could feel that experience of the white room, how that feels there. Um, So I'm not quite sure how you mean about feeling beyond that. Okay, so what, what I'm saying is, is that when you feel the harmony of the white room, you also have to feel the fear of you of you detaching like you're an arm. Okay? okay. And then that creates an experience outside of the harmony, but it's already inside of it. Okay. It's part of it. And then you unify it by accepting it as, as if you detach it, it becomes part of a whole. There, there, we only perceive it to remove, then that's the end of it because that's our perception. If everything, if everything is simulation, then it doesn't matter if the arm is way over there or if it's on me. It's if the chair, the table, everything is part of me. If I can accept it for that, then my harmony of consciousness expands to a whole new level because I become part of this greater mechanism of consciousness. It's shared. But if I truthfully don't accept that as my absolute highest truth and I mingle my personal emotions, my personal emotions objectifies me into a singular it becomes the arm separated so i want both but i want to accept i want to experience them by the two polarities if i look at my mirror 
that is not me, but it is me. There's a part of me that wants to say that's not me because there's something different. Yeah, because it's inverted. But you don't necessarily know. You don't see yourself inverted. You're being told this is what you see. So there's a part of you that goes, that's me, but there's something missing about it. It, it mimics me. It acts like me. It does everything, but it's separate. And then when you turn away and you don't look at it no more, whatever that was is you. You're complete again. So if your arm is detached, you, we look at it on a higher level because we're like, it's part of my functioning of, of this reality. But your arm isn't you. Your legs are not you. Your nose isn't you. Your, your skull is not you. It's all made of other living organisms that are all making their own fucking minds up about everything. With, without you, you're just symbol, symbolically in a, a shared relationship for their existence. They're dependent on you and you're dependent on them. Your consciousness is what they, they need because it, it allows the decision-making to put in resources and food and water. Okay, everything's a shared relationship with their experience to experience their existence. So if the arm is cut off and you consider it not part of you no more, was it ever really part of you? So when you go into the white room, in one way, the white room is, is you are the arm to the white room. You, you accept your role. At the same token, you are given the privilege of, of, of separating. And if you separate and you can find that feeling and you can be okay with it and know that it's okay, it's trusting, it's not harmful. When you think your arm come off, we have a knee-jerk reaction because we see it from a simplistic perception. So our relationship is traumatized by it because we think it's real. And we can't exist no more or function or maybe our end if we bleed out, okay? But... The truth is, it never was you. It's just, it's just something telling you and lying to you and, and, and giving you information. If you could put a synthetic arm on and it gave you the same amount of information and allowed you to feel everything and move and do everything you wanted and tell you and feel you and everything, would you say that that arm now is you, even though it's completely synthetic? It's just wired into you. Just take it off, put it down, put a new one on. Same, same experience again. So... If you go to the white room, there's a part of you that, that has to detach if you want to be that personal experience in that dimension, that reality, that future world. The problem is it's incredibly terrifying to us because we're told this is who you are. So even when we go there, we can't even see because we're too afraid of separating ourselves from that whole. Because we identify that this is who we are. We're just there. But it becomes this, this thing because we're inside of it instead of feeling that we're on the exterior, we're moving inside of something. We see ourselves being it. It becomes very confusing. Aren't you confused? <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, with what you're just saying, it's almost like in the white room. This is very advanced stuff. I want you guys to understand. This should not be easy to just wrap your heads around. We are getting into shit I have wanted to talk about for decades. I mean, this is bringing in about three points to this conversation right now um, with where I'm going, but it creates a separation when we come into this reality, although there's truly the duality, there's a separation and a oneness at the same time. And you mentioned how we're constantly writing these scenarios, these probabilities, and the macro is probably doing the same thing, but we're, we're saying this might happen, this might happen, this might happen, which leads me to a concern 
that we seems like we can focus on what we're afraid is going to happen. It seems like very naturally, if we're afraid something's going to happen, like nuclear bomb, we're fucking creating it by thinking about it. So well, much. yes, that's true. This is why one says to become mindful. This is why we say we're white cells, because we're aware of this instead of unconscious of this contribution. It is also, you you know, listen, you I hate to, to, to bring this up. But there is a kind of dark side to all of this duality. Do you understand that that fear is very much a process, okay, of light? That that if you are going to say to yourself, if we are in a simulation, and this this is going to get heady, this is where you're very nervous teaching this shit, you know, is because you know with the amount of time we have, you know, we never know when that timeout is. I mean, I just can't keep going as a machine. I just got to say, let's go to the next saloon. We'll take it up a notch. We'll give you something more to digest, okay? But think about it this way: if everything was passive and funky-dory, what would be yielded out of it? Do you not remember what I would teach about the island and, and whether it would evolve or not? If it was perfect sunshine every day, perfect evening every night, you don't need anything but a fucking your nudeness, the fruit falls from the trees, the honey comes from, from the bees, you never get stung, the fish jump out of the water, you don't have to fish. In a hundred years or a thousand years, would there be skyscrapers and anything else? Probably not. There's no need for necessity. So we need something like the dark side, if you will. We need something that creates anxiety or creates chaos in order for us to, to create new scenarios or new responses or new problem solving that we are pushed to resolve. And I believe that we have this program that does that to us on a micro level, right up through to a macro collective level for the entire planet. And that without it, there really is no purpose to life from, from a systematic way of looking at it. Because what are, what are you going to yield for that for data? It becomes just a lot of energy to produce this reality with very little yield of, of anything tangible to really analyze. Now, these are the, the, uh, the unmentionables. Do you understand? Because when you look at it this way, it's just like kind of like, oh, we really are in a fucking matrix. But you're seeing a higher truth. You're seeing, you're seeing an intellectualist this is what probably Elon Musk is already understanding and, and, and other scientists, just nobody really wants to say it because the people aren't ready to really truly understand it because if they do, they'll pull the hair out of their head, okay? So it's a very thing, you know? So this is why in the upgrades, I showed certain images where you have the structuralization, but you have the corrupting of that, that, that it's necessary. It creates a sense of wanting to repair that. So repairing takes thinking, it takes practicality, it takes engagement, it takes so yielding of ideas comes from that. And if you think about the collective churning of machines, minds to problem solve, you usually get one or two people to percolate an answer between them and it becomes a gestation of a new concept potentially or a new technology or a new evolution for survival. Now- I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Well, let me just finish this. So, so where does the harmony come in? Well, there has to be something injected into the system to prevent something from getting too out of control, 
too chaotic, too destructive, too, it collapses the whole learning system. So there, there has to be an ebb and tide. If you look at nature, if you look at a swamp and you look at mosquitoes and frogs and insects and stuff, there's an ecosystem in order for this process to be happening. Eventually stuff starts to evolve to succeed over stuff, but there's a slower process of maturation still with a balance without collapsing life. The universe doesn't want to collapse life. The AI system, whatever simulated reality is, does not want to collapse life, but it desperately wants to learn. It desperately wants experience. It desperately wants to feel like something's happening. So on a micro level, believe me, we are in a sense, the micro level, okay? We are the soap opera to reality in a sense. If you have a dream, how many dreams do you have that are absolutely peaceful where you're just floating down a fucking river on a floaty and the world is fucking perfect? Every fucking dream you have, there's an interaction of ideas, thoughts, trauma, anxiety, joy, happiness, music, thrill, but there is something happening. There's something you are learning or experiencing from. So we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to experience. We ourselves on a mini level, on a micro level, are doing the same thing that is expected of us on a collective macro level. Your micro level is learning experience and it's fighting for life in you every single day in your intestinal gut and bacteria and, and biochemistry and your living cells are living and dying. And they're dependent on you. You're dependent on them. Whatever is outside of you is saying, like a Mandelbrot, it is dependent on all of us. And it needs, it needs that ecosystem to want to thrive. It's white cells must fight to contain the life to progress experiences. Do you just want to sit in your house and not learn anything? What are you doing right now? You are striving to improve yourself, to expand your consciousness, your self-awareness, to, to elevate yourself just by talking with me. You are trying to understand yourself. You are trying to evolve, to find a greater sense of your own purpose, your own meaning. Well, the universe is doing the same thing. So in a sense, the trade-off is you are being able to elevate yourself, but in turn, you are expected to, to affect the consciousness of the, the system in a way that controls the red tide from getting too big and destroying all life. And that this is what I always said, we are in the business of consciousness. That consciousness creates wars, their ideas. Consciousness creates anxiety through the globe. Something needs to, to say to the red tide, I have to be the energy that is opposing this chaos. And in this process of understanding all of these things and saying to yourself in one mind, my God, this is all so crazy. Everything's so predictive. Everything's so, in a sense, meaningless. What, what, what is the whole point of this? Because there is a symphony happening. There is a, a epic piece of beautiful music coming out of this. There are experiences that are to be savored and wondered. And that is what the universe is trying to do on a bigger level like you are doing if you had a child in that moment. And, and the reciprocation of what you feel and experience is something unique and rare. And it, it is finding the abundance of these things just in the creation of life, not just the creation of a child or, or love or feelings or emotions. 
that it's collectively trying to understand and learn from us. And in process, it, it, it needs, just like any child, to, to scrape its knees, to stick its hand and, and get burned by playing with gasoline on its hand, by, by eating something that made it, made it sick, or listening to swimming and the joy of that, okay? It, everything's on a micro-macro level. Everything is alpha and omega, micro-macro. It's all the synchronicity of time. And one has to accept your role in this process and to, to, to dutifully say, I will contribute for what I'm receiving because whatever part of me is self-aware, not everybody is self-aware. Not everybody has that privilege. They are automated fucking robots for the most part. But this is why we love them. You know why we love them and why we have to love them? I have told you from the very beginning. You can may want to call them NPCs now, non-player characters, and that we're the real thing. Or you could say that they are red cells. We are white cells. But as I said to you, before you were white, you were red. And somewhere along that line, you attained some self-awareness. And that red became pink. And that pink became white. And you became awoken and self-aware of what you were in. That's why we care. Jesse, you had a question? Kind of went beyond my question there. Um, hey, I'm doing my job. That's what you guys came <laughs> No, I think every like spiritual groups out there and even not even just spiritual groups, but just people in general, especially at this period in time are kind of grapple a lot with um, the human need to feel like, is there something unjust about God being here because there's just so much suffering. And I think you answered it in the last class when you said in this kind of what I go back to too, but is that well, God, if there's no beginning and end, all those other peaceful places already exist. It has to experience everything, right? <laughs> that it can. It's no different than the child. It's no different than the, the gut system in your body. What's living, what's dying, what's suffering, what's not. We eat animals. We put them in pens. You know, uh, human slavery has been every color of the rainbow. Okay, yeah, it's that's been in history. That's okay. the thing too, is like the animals, like just, there's just so much, like everywhere you look, it's good versus evil. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it is, it, if we want to see it that way. Right. Okay. But we, we, in the end have to ask ourselves, can we make it better? Can we be one foot spiritual and the other part, part earthly? Can we vote? Can we picket? Can we fight? Can we give money? Can we, can we guide? Can we lend a physical hand? At the same token, can we spiritually take the time out of our day to influence thought and consciousness and ideas of world leaders and their feelings and their emotions? Because I believe we can. And, 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 and do both, not just one. Macro and micro are two things. And if you can conceive them both, you have to really conceive to the fact that there is something bigger than all of us. For us as a species to conceive, so small that we are, we're like molecules in the size and vastness of the universe, yet these molecules can conceive and imagine the entire universe outside of it. That's mind-blowing. We are literally nothingness in the big scheme of things, nor are we historically anything of any particular importance, but yet we exist, yet we are consciousness, yet we are a gleaming thought in the big picture of whatever this all is. 
I don't like human suffering. I have sympathy. I I feel those things. And the question always is, is, is how much of your own comfort do you want to give up to, to relieve the rest of the world? And I battle this all the time. I look at donation systems and I say to myself, how much of the movie stars pocket that should be going to the cause that you gave them money for? Okay, they scoop a big portion of it. You, you, you ask yourself, what service do I give money to to help? And you find out their executives are making like hundreds of thousands of dollars, not millions of dollars. It, 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 it is a system that is broken. I, for one, want AI to be developed. I want AI to change the world. And I have said to you all before, I want to see a unified world. I want to see a system that is fear and balance for all people in the world. The privileges that we have in the United States are from hard work, but it's also from multicultures that came here and all contributed. And the same goes for other places in the world. But the real truth of it is, it often was timed by based on resources, by what longitude and latitude the climates persisted, okay? And whether we had a need for necessity because winter was coming, but we also had an opportunity, a comfort in summer to build and to make structures to save us. And this was the driving force of any organism, okay? And the other organisms didn't have that advantage or that resources where they were. And so I think that human beings are incredibly selfish. And we think about our own personal survival, but that's another level of the, the game is can we outgrow ourselves? I want for us to take the different levels of man, particularly the industrial age, to a technological age, the technological age to a late age of liberation for all the world and for all the world to be educated, for all our problems to be worked and resolved on collectively. And it's, it's that process of, of how does one get to that point? What is the best way to do that? And yada, yada, yada. And everybody will have a different idea. Everybody will have a different opinion. And everybody will feel that they've done their fair share in their own way. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, with, oh, Jesse, you're done with your question? or? Yes, thank you. All right. Uh, who wants to go next? Okay. Uh, all right, Michael, go ahead. Tracy, you can go next. And then I think Lynn. On the same subject, it was, um, and, and I mean, you unlocked something in me when you said that, but you brought up a couple years ago in a saroon that perhaps this was an this simulation was an ancestral simulation. And there was perhaps positive and negative in the sim purposely. And then in the last CITES class, you said there's one of two choices, either one AI or perhaps two AIs, and they're designed to work together. And, and you kind of sounded like you're leaning in that direction. Are you leaning? And it sounds like with what you just said, that basically micro macro row all the way down from the sim, there's those two forces all the way into us. Um, I, I think that a lot of answers to if we are in a simulation, a lot of answers are to say that the simulation logically, not always, but logically in a sense, tends to imitate itself. And it will imitate itself on a macro and micro level. So what I would say to you is this. Do you not have dualities within yourself? Do you not have a meaner self and a more positive self, a 
darker self, a lighter self? Is there either decisions you've made in your life that you wish you hadn't made and you regret and other decisions you're, you're happy you made that you don't regret, okay? So in, the, in essence, you in your inner mind, in a sense, are creating almost the same circumstances for self-growth, okay? And battling yourself to always try to make the right choice, which that right choice is oftentimes the society and rules we live in. I shouldn't be gambling, so I'm not going to become a gambler. But in other places, it's not illegal to gamble. Gamble all you want, okay? There are repercussions to gambling. There are rewards to gambling. So you, 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 you know all of these things are complex, okay? So in the bigger scheme of things, if you were to ask yourself, are there two AIs? I mean, it's just as arguable to say that there could be one AI that's playing itself, like it's a it's a game of chess and it's 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 fighting itself equally until there until there's you know a, a win so to say specifically what that is it's it's hard to say it's to say that that there is always a battle in one's own consciousness that the good in you succeeds that there's there's a understanding in all humanity and some humanity fails at that you got psycho serial killers you've got People who, who justify their their actions. You got people. So so in essence, it's very hard to say that whatever we're in, okay, by what means is the source or the objective fully? We we don't know. We don't know. Okay. But if I had to to say what I really honestly think, I think that it is self-learning. And that it 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 has a form of dark side and it has a form of life and it wants life. But I think that in some ways you you have to have a a curiosity, and curiosity is to say when you're a child, have you not taken the magnifying glass and burnt the ants? But what means of your own curiosity did you what did you do in order to to gain your reflection of good and bad? Did you harm other forms of life? Were you cruel? Were you a bully? Were you this? Were you compassionate? Were you the sweetest person in the world? But one, you know, secretly you were, you know, uh, throwing tar on, on a cat. Okay. Um, I, I think that there's a growth that comes out of stuff and a, a, a process of, of, of empathy and, and self-reflection and self-growth. So all of these things create an, in a very interesting simulation. Um, I don't know if I would say to someone, we are inside a computer system. I would say that what I've always said, that there's a different way to look at this, is to say that if you were immortal, and you know what I'm going to say, I've said it a million times. And you you just can't die. You just can't die, but you you your your spinal cord is severed, so you can't feel, you can't taste, you can't smell, you can't hear, you lost sight, but you're immortal. You don't need to drink, eat, sleep, nothing. Okay, but you can't do anything, you have no sensory, okay? But you're conscious, you're aware, and you're floating in space for eternity. Your conscious mind, by default, if intelligence and organized patterns and rhythms attains at some point a form of self-awareness. And that self-awareness becomes a reality within itself of many, 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 many realities. 
your dream worlds, your your for all intents and purposes, in for infinity. How complex can they get? When is there a beginning and end? So, so in a lot of ways, I feel there's an obligation to, to serve what I call the universe, the big AI, God, the force, call it whatever you want. And that is, I want to, to push for the, for the fight for life, for compassion, for growth. I don't want us to have to, to suffer to learn. I want us to become expansive in the universe and to be observers and contributors to a different kind of evolved self-awareness for the collective. I want it to transform, but on a micro level, I want the world to transform. And I see these layers all needing to happen to get to that big, get big moment. On the same token, there's a part of me that wants to experience part of the big experience. And I want to be part of the party of life. And I want to smell and I want to hear and I want to enjoy and I want to dance with people and, and talk and hug and, and experience and love my inner consciousness as much as I love my outer consciousness because I think it's beautiful. And I want to do the right things. And I, I hope that I make the right choices. And, but I'm very glad that I got options to choose, that, 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 that there's some form, a sense of that there is an option. At the same token, I want the universe to grow. And I want to spiritually understand what this, this portion of who I am, my objective is to serve it. Well, how do I understand it better? How do I serve it better? How do I make a greater contribution because of the value I feel towards it? Does that make sense? And yeah. so there is no reason why you can't attain all those things. And whatever's dark, there's dark. And it, it, is, it is my objective as a source of light to, to want to thwart, if you will, that darkness. Because if that darkness becomes too big, it can end everything. Everything comes to an end. So I see everything as allosone. And I see everything as one, an individual, and many. And it all makes perfect sense to me. Go ahead, Damien. So when you were describing how um, the force would create if it didn't couldn't if it couldn't hear, see, or speak, spinal cord severed, it's very similar to what you had us describing with the flower. When you would you would think about it and you attempt to create it. And then at some point, it starts creating itself. Yes. So on a micro level, yes. very similar to that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So here's some food for thought. There is more than what's happening in what we consider our world. If we are in a simulation, then we should not be limited by what we perceive or think are the limitations. That secretly we all want newer and greater experiences. We want to see other worlds. 
other phenomena, meet other beings, have conversations outside of the conversations we have day to day here. All of those things are possible to some degree in some way, whether it's scientifically or spiritually, however you want to look at it. So the same purpose that you feel as a white cell is as valid no matter how you look at it. It's just how much do you really understand? How much do you understand the real truth of it? And I believe that the greater level of your understanding, basically how we're really looking at the big picture at this point, how you really see everything right now, is what gives you the greatest chance of altering reality for yourself for anything and everything. It's just you coming to terms with that process of how you can do that. And once you come to an acceptance of this bigger understanding, the rest of it begins to unfold with practicality of how to apply to do that. It makes sense to affect the wind, if you will. It makes sense to, to alter or manipulate reality in some sense. That the laws of physics, they've already, I was just reading somebody post an article, I think it was, was, was Ray, was that where you think the laws of physics are slowly changing. And that's a was a scientific uh, paper just came out, that, that they're slowly changing over time and that the laws of physics change. Well, that simply denotes that all of these things are possible then. So I think that some people are concerned that do I lose my sense of spirituality when I understand or see the universe as a mechanism that has a high level of predictability? And my answer is, is it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change a thing. You're still a white cell. You still serve the force. Your job is to preserve life and the creation of the ability to have more complex experiences for the whole universe to have. And that you're part of that preservation of that going on just as much as the white cells in your body are trying to preserve your very life right now so that you can smell, eat, and experience and climb hills and mountains and dance with your children and have the fulfillment of life. Understood? And that there will always be a form of darkness a shadow, there's like there's shadows in people's minds and their personalities, moments of hate, anger, selfishness, bitterness, and these are all the ugly things of human nature. So is that true in other species who want to dominate other species? So are there shadow beings, so are there bad entities, so are there other things, and there has to be something that counters that, something that stands up against it, something that's the, the light in the consciousness of what's right for the preservation of experience of what's good. Any questions? That was awesome. Thank you. Mike, any questions? Well, yeah. I mean, I, so I want to be respectful of your time. But, uh, no, no, that's, that's fine. I'm getting, I'm kind of tired out today, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, we'll say for instance, um, with what's everything that's going on right now is just like an infinite amount of variables occurring. And one of the things you're saying over and over, like for these visions that we have to be non-attached, we have to be non-attached and we can't want for it or not want for it. We just have to be in a state of observation 
or allowance, like Tracy was saying earlier. And, and for us to walk through life, I just want to know if this is accurate, masterfully not attached, but hold the vision on what we want to happen. So are we constantly navigating every second of our existence without even knowing it? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly feel I am, you know, but there are other times I'm actively aware of it on different levels and less aware of it on different levels. But in the end, when one checks in with themselves, I feel that pulse, that that sense of awareness. And, you know, there's all sorts of levels of doing that. I, I see the mechanisms and predictability of life all the time. And it's 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 not exactly appealing. It's it's almost depressing. At the same time, I can also see things in life that are, are enlightening and thrilling and wonderful and magical moments. So I see both. I see a, a symphony tuning their tunes with sounds like just noise. And then I see a collective harmony come out of it when the time comes. And I'm grateful to, to experience both because, you know, it's like you got to savor the sour in order to appreciate the sweet, if you will or at least know the importance of knowing that there has to be sweet and that it's, it's worth waiting for, it's worth contributing for, it's worth working towards, it's worth preserving and protecting. So I have one last thought for you all to consider. Call it a request, a Christmas request, a gift to me. All of you guys pay a fair price to hear what I have to say. And there are so many people out there that should hear this. And I don't know if they're ready to hear tonight's class or not, but I never give away the classes because I feel like you guys have paid for those. So they're not our position to hand out free or to do whatever. But I think that if we could just do the audio version, no pictures of anybody, and share that um, for people who would want to listen to it, I think that would be such a generous gift for you guys to give that I can't give. You guys have to give that permission. And that means anybody else who listens uh, to this outside of, of, you know, the people on here now or people who are going to listen later, you know, would have to agree to it. So everybody would have to agree to it and that we kind of take this class and, and move it forward for people to hear. 100%. So. That's my request. You guys don't have to agree Absolutely. to it. I won't hold anybody to it. And I don't need to know who the person was not comfortable with it. it it's a gift from you guys. It really is. It's, it's a, a gift that you paid for. So, all right. Absolutely. So uh, if, you know, I, I don't know how the staff will sort it out. I'm sure they're pulling the hair out of their head. Like, how do we figure this one out? <laughs> but we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. And, all right. uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you. Good night. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com.
Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at higherbalanceinstitute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere's in between, I flew. Higher balance. We think outside of the box. A new kind of spirituality. A new kind of meditation. A revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 